bit askew. Oh, Are they? Oh, hey guys. Hey everybody. Oh, welcome to the Thirteenth Floor Podcast. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And we're here doing what we always do. I just had a pudding cup. Alex just <laughs> ate a pudding cup. We don't usually do that, but since we're all under quarantine, I decided to buy him some some little treats that he have, seems to enjoy. Pudding years. Uh, James, how have you been? How are you holding up? I've been okay, all things considered. Uh, it's hard to find. Man, this is this is a dark age for OCD people because I can't find uh, Clorox wipes, and I normally use them. Like everybody else has decided, oh, we need Clorox wipes. Like no. No, I need Clorox wipes. I have to clean my phone every time I go out. Oh, jeez. James. <sighs> I'm so sorry you're dealing with that. I think we've got two little bottles of Clorox wipes left. I got six wipes left. We, uh, we're officially in a shelter in place, so we're just uh, surviving and thriving at this mm. point. Trying not to smother each other in our sleep. Yep, trying <sighs> not to kill each other. Um, oh, J- we. I just wanted to mention... Our recent text conversation with James, where James didn't <laughs> properly identify a spider. Mm. Oh, yeah, that was, mm. was interesting. That was a glorious moment. Yes. I did. Yeah. yeah. Basically, and James just completely failed us in every facet. <laughs> yeah. You guys, I was sweeping up my house earlier this week, and I found a dead spider by the front door, and I scooped it up, and it was pretty big. And I was like, ooh, what is this? It's scary. Uh, James, tell me what it is. And James was like, it looks like a giant dust mite. And I just thought to myself, no, this is not a dust mite. This is a spider. And then Alex, I properly identified. And James, were you on Benadryl when you texted me? Like, what was happening? I had insomnia. And when I when you texted me, it was early in the Well, it wasn't early in the morning, but it was in the morning. And I know that I was asleep at the time. So I have no recollection of this conversation. All I have to show that my response is the text itself. Like, if, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I don't remember this at all. <laughs> James texted me like two, two days later and said, I have no recollection of the conversation prior to this. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I saw that picture two days later. And I was like, what? When was this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is the excuse I use whenever I'm wrong. <laughs> yep. Insomnia. <laughs> hmm. Well, you guys, do you have what's our icebreaker today? Oh, talking about James being wrong wasn't uh, <laughs> the icebreaker. He's not infallible. Uh, oh well. If you had to be sacrificed in an ancient civilization's ritual, which one would you? Pick? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Ooh, that's actually kind of not not that specifically, but um, <laughs> if if you had to, this is interesting because we we live in a a secular. Mostly Christian society. If you had to choose a ancient society to live in, in other words, a pre-Christian society, what would it be in? Which, in other words, what pagan pantheon would you uh, most feel at home revering? You know, you're asking the girl who doesn't have much of a history intelligence about ancient civilization. You made a, I know you made a perfect uh, Greek mythology joke last week. <laughs> oh, so I can do yeah, you're right, I did. I'll go I'll go with the Greeks. Yeah, that would be a pretty good one, actually. Like that's like probably as close as I can get to modern civilization. <laughs> I know about the Greeks. So I'll choose the Greeks because they did have pretty complex structures. Yeah, I mean, you know, just Mesopotamia would be nice. Just to kind of see how it all An eye for an eye. Out. Isn't Alex, that them, James? Alex, yeah. Alex Revere's yeah. Pazuzu. 
<laughs> Good lord. Well, what about you, James? I think the druids probably. Oh, you just want to see who how they who really built Stonehenge? Yeah, I know who built Stonehenge. I did. No, I, <laughs> that's. I, that's... James's ageless reference for the uh, <laughs> for this specific episode. Uh, 13th Floor Years. Today, we are talking about ancient civilizations. This topic was sent into us by Nick Yu. Are you guys ready to talk about ancient Why'd civilizations? Why did you just look around you like you were concerned about something? Well, I just noticed our window was open, and for some reason, I got scared. I was because uh-huh. of that man standing there staring Stop at Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Okay. So, I'm going to kick things off today. It's funny. I'm usually like, who's going first? It's me. It's me. <laughs> so, are you guys ready to learn about the Olmecs? Yes. The Olmecs. We'll see if we can add a little sound bite to that. Okay. So, my sources today come from thebeautifulbritannica.com mm. and thoughtco.com. And then some sprinkles from Wikipedia. But the Olmecs and... Oh, yeah, I came up with songs. I'm always coming up with songs now. Oh, okay. The Olmec civilization was such an inspiration for the Aztecs and Mayans. And I'm going to tell you about them now. <laughs> so, wow. I know. I was introduced to the Olmecs. But uh, James told me to do the Olmecs. James is just so pushy when it comes to topics. He's like, Cece, you're doing the Olmecs. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. He did suggest it. But I was introduced to the Olmecs at a very young age, hmm. a la Nickelodeon's oh. Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> yeah, Olmec always scared me a little did bit. Did you like that I sent you all a gif of yeah. Olmec? Did you? Olmec did not scare me nearly as much as the Temple Guards in the Temple Run at the end of the show. You know, looking back, that's kind of horrifying. It's horrifying. Mm. You're you're looking for an ancient artifact in the game. And then all of a sudden, you come into a room with this guy in a little head yeah. headdress jumps and just grabs you. Well, you're 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 a child in a room being grabbed by a grown man. Yeah, <laughs> and he whisks you away. Like if you don't have anything, to give him. He just takes you. That's horrifying. But God, the show was so good. It was. I want to be. I wanted to be on that show so bad. I want to be a purple parrot. I think they're rebooting. I it. think they are too. I wanted to be either a blue barracuda or what was it? Red monkeys? Were they red monkeys? No, they were. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Green monkeys. James, what team would you have been on? Uh, I liked the iguanas and the barracudas. I was always torn between you the guys two. are the barracudas. <laughs> Purple parrots all the way. But anyways, <laughs> the Olmecs are considered one of the pristine civilizations or cradle of civilization. Mm. Oh, meaning their culture doesn't seem to have been influenced by any other outside sources. Like they just kind of built their self from the ground up. Mm. Started from the bottom, now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> some, some historians believe they were the OGs of Mesoamerica, you know what I mean? You dig? And as <laughs> as I sang a minute ago, um, there's evidence that they greatly influenced the Aztec and the Mayan cultures and that their civilization actually gave rise to those cultures down the line. Wow. Yeah. They, yeah. they had two big city hubs. Now called San Lorenzo and La Venta. We don't really know what they were called because, you know, they were around a long time ago. But look up pictures of the remains of the Olmec societies. It's really cool. Okay. I want to go and see it. Mm-hmm. But the Olmec society really kind of came into its own along the Gulf Coast of Mexico around 1600 BCE. And they were around until around 350 BCE. Oh. And it's important to note 
that we don't know what they actually call themselves. Olmec is an Aztec word meaning rubber people. Oh. That's what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know. We don't know what they actually called themselves because they probably had a writing system, but it didn't survive. What if their limbs actually stretched like rubber? That would be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, ancient. What's that little toy that you could? Oh, stretch Armstrongs. Yeah. <laughs> ancient stretch Armstrongs. Oh wow. No, they were they were called the rubber people because it's believed that the Olmec were the first people to figure out how to make rubber. Oh, that's yeah. that exciting. And they used it a lot in yeah. trade. They combined uh, it with some vine juice, <laughs> and they stirred it up, and then it made rubber, and they're like, here you go. Hey, hey, give me some vine juice. Let's make some rubber. Yeah, I wonder who did that by accident. It's like he just had some rubber from the rubber tree, and then all of a sudden he spills some some of his vine juice. He goes, darn it. And then he's like, whoa, look at this. That's kind of, I think, what happened with vulcanized rubber. The dude who invented that, he was he – was- trying all sorts of things and he gave up and was just furious and ultimately burned his project and then it worked because that's what vulcanized rubber is <laughs> wow he's angry man that's what yeah. i should do maybe if i'm having trouble like creating something just go and burn it and see what happens mm. <laughs> i hate the screenplay <laughs> yeah. oh it just it just disappears <laughs> maybe it would light something else on fire and then i could write about that oh. what happens when i light the fire i it's you know what I mean? The fire inside. Yeah, the fire inside. It lights my, <laughs> lights my soul up, and I'm just like, I'm ready to write. But you guys, wow. beyond rubber, <laughs> the Olmec were mostly known for their artwork, which just goes to show how advanced the culture was. Um, they had a very distinct and unique style, but if they were able to make art, this means that their other basic needs were fulfilled, like food and water mm-hmm. and shelter. So it's like when you, ha- when you don't have to worry about those things – why not make a beautiful piece of art? You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Mm. But the artwork that most people know about for the Olmec is the giant stone heads. Uh, I did see a picture of that when I was perusing for my... Yeah, I've seen, I seen one in real life in New York. Stop bragging, James. And <laughs> you know what? When did you see that? Because I read that they're all still in Mexico and there are a lot of replicas floating around. Ooh. So... <laughs> oh man i think it was 2016 i don't believe you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but know that the giant stone heads are they're like olmec in legends of the hidden temple just a big old face yeah. made out of stone basalt to be specific uh which interesting fact the stone used to make these sculptures was not very close to where they settled so they would have to figure out some way to transport these 40 to 50 ton stones all the way back to their little Laventa in San Lorenzo mm. and then make the heads. They just called the Druids for some help. Yeah, they said, you guys. Hey, float those over here. <laughs> I picture them putting it on a, a giant tree stump and then pushing the tree stump. Yeah, they're like, Mr. Jameson, please float these things over to me. Jameson is James. Yeah, it's easy. Was looking at me, just so confused. Also, I was, I was, I was like looking at my eyes were actually kind of getting kind of big. So I was like, "Are you going to tell me a story?" Big plot twist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jameson. No, it probably it would have been J model because they always use the model, the ATL. Oh, yeah. but there are seventeen of these stone heads total, and they're believed to be the heads of the civilization's rulers. Perhaps as, you know, just like, uh, obviously like, oh, he's our ruler. We need to make a giant statue of him. Uh, But it could have also marked their death when they passed on to the great Mm. beyond. 
But I was going to say, if you want to see one, you need to plan a trip to Mexico because that's where they all are, according to some websites that I saw, James. Well, apparently you can go to New York. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know that there are two of them at Mexico City's National Anthropology Museum. So maybe we'll have to go there when we go to Dia de los Muertos sometime in the future. Yeah, maybe James mistook New York for that place. (laughs) Well, okay. Another interesting thing about the Olmec, they played sports. Mm. Hey, they played some type of ball game with these solid giant rubber balls. It's like a 10-pound oh, yeah, ball they had to of knock, rubber. Knock it through the circle, like up in the air? Uh, you know, I saw some pictures of that. They Well, the ball courts that I saw, they were kind of shaped like eyes, and they say it was probably more like racquetball. Mm-hmm. They kind of have to hit it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I might be misremembering, James, but I think the Aztecs had a game similar to that. Where yeah. They had heavy, and yeah. sometimes they did it with heads, yeah, the right? Olympics- the Olmecs had a huge, uh, yeah, yeah. The Olmecs had a huge influence on the Aztecs, including both. It's a combo of those two things: their sports and human sacrifice. Human sacrifice. That's the good stuff. Well, another interesting thing is that when they had these games going on, they likely had musicians come and play at the ball court, so they might have had little cheerleaders. Oh, it got epic. Yeah, it got nice. epic because they would apparently uh, anthropologists. Or archaeologists, whoever's looking at these little sites would find like harmonica or little instruments. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. near the ball courts. But it does appear to have been a game reserved for the wealthy because a lot of the courts were closer to the wealthier sides of town. Uh-huh. And some of the giant Olmec statues, I'm sure you guys have seen them. They look like they're wearing little helmets. Mm-hmm. And that might have been the helmet that you wear in the ball game. Because oh. apparently they wore protective gear to take care of their body limbs. Oh, wow. Yeah. I do not think the Aztecs did that. <laughs> no, I think they did. But but um, they also, yeah, not so cool about the ball game, though. Not so cool. Uh, there may have been some form of sacrifice involved. <laughs> oh, before or after? Uh, after, I think. But apparently sometimes losers might have been sacrificed to gods, especially captives of war. And I just picture, I just picture, because, you know, they have little musicians here. I just picture... When somebody loses, them playing a little sad song. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, like this. <laughs> oh wow, that'd be terrible. But what about their diets, you guys? I guess that they're probably omnivores. <laughs> no, they loved corn, Alex. So you would have gotten along mm, with them. Maybe I should go there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when we got married, you guys, all Alex wanted, the only food that he wanted at our wedding was corn. Guess what? The only thing I didn't get yeah, at the wedding true. was. We didn't, we didn't have corn on the menu. But, they but grew, someone brought me a can of corn. But they, the Olmecs grew maize and they had a fairly complex farming system set up. So they grew crops and they also hunted and consumed lots of different proteins, including snake Mm. And possum. But I read somewhere that they also probably ate domesticated doggies. Yeah, the Aztecs did too. I think they ate, no, maybe they didn't eat turkey. I don't know if there were turkey that far down or not. I don't think there were. I didn't see anything about turkeys. Uh, But they had a lot of different types of proteins. They had a pretty diverse diet, actually. One other thing about the Omit culture before I kind of wrap things up, but they really seem to have a fixation with jaguars. And it's not entirely sure why. And again, I found differing reports on this. And a lot of it is because there's just not enough information. They're so old that it's kind of hard to research this stuff. But they had a lot of jaguars within their artwork. And some they were called, quote, unquote, were jaguars. 
That's exactly what it sounds so like. So it's, like it's, it's just a werewolf with the jaguars? Uh, yeah, it's a jaguar-human hybrid. I would rather be a jaguar-human than a wolf-human. Well, a lot of them were babies. And there's, what? yeah, a lot of the artworks were baby <laughs> were, were jaguars. That was a plot twist. And some of their artworks, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be honest, some of the artwork that they created is really like their baby artworks are really kind of creepy. I don't know. They just kind of give me the heebie-jeebies mm. when I see them. I'm like, uh-huh. But mm. there's speculation as to whether the wear jaguars were good or bad because, again, there lots of baby wear jaguar artworks. So it's not known if maybe deformed babies or just babies in general were sacrificed to the gods because mm. there oh, have been some, some uh, remains found. But uh, it's also kind of speculated that maybe the jaguars were kind of like a symbol of royalty. So... Yeah. I don't know. There might have been some association with the royals. I would think a jaguar human would be like worshipped almost. Well, these uh, ones are kind of creepy. Did you ever find anything out about the um, the ethnicity of the Almanacs? No, James. Because uh, <laughs> it's super, it's super weird and uh, controversial. Like the, the the normal view is that they were um, Amerindian, just like every other civilization in South America, the Aztecs, the Mayas, the Incas, but it seems like everybody claims the Olmecs. Everybody. There's there's claims that they were Celtic. There's claims they were African, which the, the statues do certainly have uh, features that would fall in line with that to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's claims that they were from the Shang Dynasty. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just it's nuts. Uh, Flippin' Thor Heyerdahl said that they they were Nordic because uh, they have a one statue of a fella the, that has a beard and an aquiline nose. So everybody says that they the Olmecs were them. Everybody, it's crazy. Well, wait until I tell you about my twenty-three and me, James. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened to the Olmecs, you guys? Because they're ancient. They disappeared for a reason, y'all. Mm, lead poisoning. I don't. Lead poisoning. Well, there is still research going on regarding this topic, but it could have been a number of things. Oh, eating dogs. <laughs> Oh my god. No. Mm. It could have been it could have been climate change or over farming and hunting. So food co- could have become scarce. Perhaps there was some bad blood between the Olmec and other local tribes. Mm. Maybe they just got a bad ruler at one point who just drove the civilization right into the ground. Mm. We don't know. We'll probably never know. Yeah. It just takes one bad apple, you guys. It's interesting when a civilization that goes on for that long just disappears because it's like that could happen to America. It probably it will, will at some point. Yeah, <laughs> this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of bad apples, you guys, I'm done. Let's see what Alex has to offer us. <laughs> wow, that was good. Okay, hey, Man, Alex, tell us cutting about- me off at the knees before I even get started. <laughs> Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I made the poorer decision this week. So, I decided mine on two factors. One, the name. <laughs> <laughs> that's like two. picking That's like picking a derby winner based upon the color of the jockeys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uniform? Yeah, uniform. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> silk. It's called a silk, you guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised you didn't like... You're the horse person. Anyway, so one, the name, and two, a small fact that I'm going to tell you about later. 
Oh, wow. going to blow your... Okay, I've already set it up too much. It's not going to blow your minds. But I'm decided, I've decided to do the Bell Breaker culture. Have you heard of them, James? Oh, yeah. Oh, how disappointing. I was hoping <laughs> to pick someone you hadn't heard of. James um, everything. Well, I'm a little, um, I'm not trying to be pedantic here, but it's the Bell Beaker culture. Well, it is. <laughs> and I typed it wrong on that one. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, the Bell Breakers. <laughs> it took me a second. It's funny. Alex was about to say, well, James, actually. And then he looks at <laughs> looks at his <laughs> page that he's looking at. It says Bell Beaker at the very top. Yeah, it Ooh, sure does. Yeah. So I read it wrong. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so the Bell Beaker culture, <laughs> and they called it this because. <laughs> oh, James! Here it is. I think, that's, I think is. this research is, is, the, is the equivalent of like in our project with the macaroni and like paste. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. A bad apple, you guys. So, so, the name of them is because of the pottery that they made, which was actually just shaped like upside down bells. So, Mm. whoever named this culture is the same guy who named Bigfoot. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, So, the bell breaker... (laughs) I've got it in my mind now. So, the bell beaker culture is kind of hard to pin down because... They were sort of a warrior, but also a nomadic culture that really Mm. dealt mostly with trading. And essentially, their civilization seemed to have ended because they just spread themselves too thin and just became integrated into other cultures. But when they were roaming the wilds in 2800 to 1800 BC, they were primarily in like Britain, Germany, Spain... And all the way up to probably Austria. But the thing is, though, is that they aren't necessarily filling in all these gaps between these countries. Instead, they're in these like small pockets and where their people just stick together. And it's kind of like I said, though, but they're, they're nomadic, but they're considered this their nomadicness. I was going to make up a fake word. <laughs> <laughs> but because they're so nomadic, they actually ended up providing a pretty essential trait that really drove Western culture in the future. And that was the spread of copper metallurgy. Essentially, mm-hmm. since they were such good traders, they spread information and copper all throughout Europe. And without them, a lot of thinking that the practice really wouldn't have caught on as quickly as it did back then. So, hmm. yeah, and they like to stab people with uh, copper knives as well. Ooh. <laughs> was that the fact that you... No, no. Okay. That's just, a, that's just like something... Maybe I would like to be one of these people. Uh, a little shank with a copper knife mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> well, you almost certainly... You and I are almost certainly descendants of them. Oh, why do you say that, James? Because we like copper? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just statistically, we're probably in the R1 or R1B1A2 haplogroup. So I had, know, I'm talking yes. statistically. I actually saw that in my research, and I said, I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, well, it's almost certainly uh, your, your haplogroup. No joke. James, where, where do you think my family hails from? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, you're you're Czech, so Slavic, and I know the Bell Beakers. They they went 
close to that region, but I don't think they overlap. So I might be the only person here that's not a, a bell beaker. Oh, that's right. Maybe. Bell beaker for a while. I was an Olmec. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was most certainly not an Olmec. Okay, okay. Alex, I want to hear your interesting fact. No, I'm not jumping to that yet. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, you gotta save it for the end. I can't give you. I can't give you the dessert before your dinner. Okay, I, I do it all the time, baby. <laughs> so, there's actually no writings uh, that exist of the bell beakers. So, a lot of their analysis of where they were, all that kind of stuff is from archaeological discoveries. Uh, some of the farming techniques that they were doing, mortuary practices, again, copper, and some of the innovations that they were providing in that time. But really, the most interesting thing to me was their mortuary practices. So when they dealt, when they built graves and stuff, they actually uh, buried people with their weapons, which was unusual in Europe. Hmm. Yeah, because Europe had done done away with that. We're just burying people like we do now. Yeah, so they were like one of the few cultures in Europe bearing people weapons. So, uh, hmm. yeah. neat. Uh, which kind of leads to the warrior thing that maybe they started out as. Because apparently they were big bowsmen. What would you cool. say? Huntsmen? I, I don't know. They, they used bow and they, their primary bow weapon of choice was bows. They're like, and then for up hmm. close. Archers? Yeah, archers. That's the most obvious one. (laughs) So, yeah, but they use bows and then they get their little shank on. If you get closer. (laughs) Alex just pretended to shank me, you guys. Let's just say if they they went to prison, they were the ones making it out alive. Oh. (laughs) They could make their own little shank. You know, there's a commonality a lot of times between nomads and and warriors just because, you know, you run out of resources and then you got to, yeah, exactly. They get resourceful. Yeah. (laughs) so i do have a few interesting facts so like i said there's no writings and so no one actually knows what language they spoke interesting yeah and apparently they actually looked quite different from the people in the area they were taller had heavier bones and i had to look up what this meant like you say like yep I figured. <laughs> which just I mean, means they had rounded heads. Which yeah. the picture that I saw uh, when I had to look it up on Wikipedia was that of a French bulldog. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, good to say I am I am heavy boned and brachycephalic, but I'm not tall. So yeah. <laughs> oh boy, so you're a mutant. Um, <laughs> but honestly, the most interesting thing about them is that they were involved in the building of Stonehenge. Yeah, apparently, many people think that they were involved specifically in the arranging of the small blue, blue stones at the site. There are blue stones? I didn't know that either, but now I do. Now we do. It's <laughs> to me. Well, wow, the bell beakers. Yes. Or the bell breakers, depending on if you're in prison or not. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Sir James. It's your turn. All right. I am talking about the Khmer Empire, most notably uh, the fellows who built Angkor Wat, which is those massive, massive, uh, uh, beautiful ruins that, you know, in Cambodia that every, it's almost impossible to find a scenic calendar that doesn't have a picture of it. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, it, it, every time I see it, I think of like Mortal Kombat or something. 
But, <laughs> but were there any fatalities in. there, James? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Khmer's they uh, they got started around eight oh two, and they dried up around fourteen thirty one. So mid, well, mid, early, I almost said mid fifteenth uh, century. So they're a bit later on than than I think. Uh, Either of your topics, because uh, yeah. the Olmecs were BC and the Bell, uh, the Bellbeakers were borderline prehistoric. So this was quite a bit later. Hmm. This was like this wrapped up during the European Middle Ages, hmm. and uh, yeah, Angkor Wat is definitely the most iconic site, though. Like that's what people think of, and it's interesting. Um, much, much earlier on when it first was built, which I don't I, I couldn't find any evidence as to to the actual origin point itself, but it, it's quite old. It was originally a Hindu temple and it was actually an a Vishnu dedicated temple, which what's peculiar about that is during this period of time, normally kings would dedicate temples to Shiva rather sure. than Vishnu. And it's just an interesting departure, and I won't get too far into the the big differences because then we're just going to be delving into like Hindu dialectics, and I don't want to do that because then I'll go on into a rabbit hole. But <laughs> yeah, Vishnu was so last century. <laughs> you know, it's actually kind of, oh man, see now you're getting me into it. Um, <laughs> actually, oddly enough, Vishnu is actually more popular in modern India than Shiva now. But um, anyway. Uh, but during the 12th century, it was turned into a Buddhist temple. And that's where a lot of the uh, the more beautiful um, patterns and designs come from. Because, I mean, it was significantly overhauled. And that was by King uh, Suryavarman. And so that was near, if, you, if you're keeping count, that was sort of close to the end point of that civilization. So it's kind of interesting. You know, a lot of times the, the more iconic sites are from the Golden Age. But the temple was sort of uh, restructured and, and, and altered when the empire was circling the drain. So I just I think that's kind of a peculiar thing to, hmm. to pay attention to. I don't know about you guys. Like, like, I mean, isn't that what you guys normally would think when, when you see a big, beautiful, iconic image? You, you associate it with sort of a golden age rather, yeah. Than, rather than. Yeah. OK. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone on that. No. But. They stretched out the the Khmers uh, over a massive, massive swath of. I mean, it, it, even going into Thailand, the uh, southern part of China, pretty much all of 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 the South China Sea area. So huge, huge empire, just like the other two that we talked about. And a lot of people think that's kind of, sorta, in a roundabout way, what ultimately happened to them. Um, a lot of people argue that, that we don't really know exactly what the deal was, but we think that some of it may have had to do with religious upheaval. So case in point, uh, during this period, as I mentioned, you know, uh, Shivaism was more popular. Well, then Vishnuism became more popular. Well, then Shivaism came back. Then Theravada Buddhism became the, the in vogue belief structure. And it's believed that some of these uh, transitions led to hmm. uh, issues with who was the legitimate heir, issues as to who should actually be in charge of the state, 
civil wars, just a, a lot of division, in other words, that could have been uh, really caused by religious issues. So that's a very real possibility. Other people think that it was actually um, the Thai kingdom of uh, Sukhothai because they did not get along. And fortunately for the Khmer, for like the first, uh, you know, several centuries, they were significantly stronger. But as you might imagine, some of the infighting, eventually their, their Thai neighbors became a force to be reckoned with. But the biggest, most common theories, there's two, there's two big ones. The one is, it's kind of like what you were talking about with the Olmecs as a possibility, um, ecological disasters. You know, this is a very wet area. Lots and lots of, I mean, there's a rainy season. Rice was grown in these big reservoirs and canals that were built. And it's very possible that these canals actually messed up the water table and ultimately caused like droughts, which over time, droughts coupled with monsoons during the rainy season led to harsher droughts year by year. And eventually they just weren't able to sustain themselves. That's one of the big theories. The other one, uh, very, very <laughs> timely. You can probably guess. Every every fallen <laughs> civilization, that's one of the theories, though, let's be honest. And that is a plague. So, yeah. Well, it just so happens that their neighbors to the north, China, that was actually where the bubonic plague originated. And that was in the 14th century. So they dried up the flipping Khmer like a century later. So it's a little telling that, you know, hey, you know, you've got droughts, you've got floods. What do disasters like that tend to bring? Rats. Mm-hmm. What do rats carry? Fleas. And if this was during that period, maybe the Black Death is what really destroyed the Khmer's. Oh, it's, it's a very real possibility. Huh. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one of the big things. Um, they were like a really interesting bunch, though. Like uh, they, they put a big emphasis on agriculture, as I mentioned, with their, their canals, and they had fruits and vegetables and rice and uh, uh, sugar palm. That was like a big one. Palm wine was, was something that they would export and make, you know, the bit money off of, um, which is like, like the more I read up on them, the more I'm like, oh, man, I kind of want to eat all the cool stuff they ate. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I've never yeah. had palm wine. I don't know what that tastes like. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, Joe uh, Daguan was a, uh, a Chinese historian slash merchant who uh, he, he made note about this. This is what he said. He said, <clears throat> the local people who know how to trade are all women. So when a Chinese goes to this country, the first thing he must do is take in a woman, <laughs> partly with a view to profiting from her trading abilities. So in other words, if you're a merchant, you gotta you got to have a woman with you because they don't take men seriously with regard to mercantile endeavors, huh. which I find huh. interesting, yeah. And he also said, the women age very quickly, no doubt because they marry and give birth when too young. When they are 20 or 30 years old, they look like Chinese women who are 40 or 50. <laughs> Dang. Good Lord, sick yeah. burn. <laughs> Well, see, that's the the reason why I even pointed that one out, not just because it's funny, but see, that makes me wonder if maybe the issue, I mean, you've got to think about this. This is a problem we're facing today. 
um, we're leaching a lot of nutrients out of our soil and into the ocean. And so, you know, what's it called when you don't get enough of a vitamin? Deficiency. Deficiency. I don't know. I can think of that. Deficiencies are, you know, much more common now because we're, we're depleting a lot of, uh, a lot of the soil. If you think about it, they're growing rice. They're growing it in, um, the, these reservoir systems that are constantly draining out into the ocean. Rice happens to be really good at absorbing arsenic. This is just my theory, by the way. I didn't get this from anywhere. <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe a combination of soil depletion from from their, their reservoirs coupled with droughts and, and floods, getting rid of all the nutrients in the soil, coupled with the fact that rice is really good at holding on to like heavy metals, maybe the problem was they were slowly dissolved um, as a society because of nutrient problems. Like no joke, oh. kind of like how the, the Romans, uh, was it the Greeks or the Romans with their, their res, um, aqueducts with lead and they love to sweeten their drinks with lead. That I think was, that was Romans. That, I think it was Rome too. I think that, that, that a lot of people have argued that contributed to the fall of Rome. Maybe arsenic contributed to the fall of the Khmer. I'm just saying, that's my own little pet theory. I don't know. And I bet you they wouldn't have even known it was happening. Oh, absolutely not. It would have been a slow descent. Yeah. You James, know, kind of makes dark. me think of. Yeah, kind of makes me think of our uh, food episode, which is the only episode. It's such a good episode, everybody listening. And it's the <laughs> only one that hasn't broke 100 downloads. So check really? out Mad Cow Disease. Right. What? It's such a good episode. Yeah. So, that yeah, check out Mad Cow Disease, guys. It, it's Maybe people one. just don't want to hear us talk about how they shouldn't be eating. Or they don't appreciate yeah. amazing puns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but, uh but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of anything that I may have not covered. But that's really the big thing is is their their downfall and a few little notable things about their culture. Man, mm-hmm. that's I, you know it's a little dark, James, for me. I don't know mm-hmm. if I would want to go back then, but I bet you you would enjoy the palm wine real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as it didn't have arsenic in it. Yeah, as long as it didn't have arsenic. But what's that thing that you drink? The ch- ch- uh, mm-hmm. thing that you go out in the woods and look for for your oh, teeth? Chaga. 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 Yeah, he <laughs> drinks dirt water, so why wouldn't he drink the palm water? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Anyways. Cool. Well, you guys, that's Ancient Civilizations, 13th Floriers, and Nick, you. We hope that we did the subject justice for you guys. I'm sure that we're going to return for another ancient civilizations episode of the future because there are a lot of them yeah i was actually really torn between the Khmer and druids and i totally want to talk about druids i just grabbed the next episode no sorry alex what didn't have his headphones in so he completely interrupted you james i'm sorry james Um, he went and grabbed the vase oh alex has the vase are you guys ready to draw and see what we're gonna be talking about next week yeah all right (laughs) Next week, we are talking about, oh, this will be a fun one. Oh, yeah. This will be a fun one. Uh, doomsday preparation. Or oh. doomsday preppers. Which yeah, one is it? Both. And this topic was suggested to us by Scott M. <laughs> Scott M. Scott M. Thank you. We're going to teach you all to be prepared. Yeah. So be prepared. We'll have to figure out how to split <laughs> this topic, but I think it'll be a, a very interesting episode next week. Yes. That'll be fun. This. All right, you guys. Is there anything else you want to add before we hit the road, James? 
Uh, our music is is by Grant Cook. He's actually got two new songs coming out this month. You can find his music on Spotify, right. Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to music. All right, guys. Mm. Well, that was Ancient Civilizations. Until next week, we hope that you can keep, keep it, it straight. straight. It looks like a giant dust mite.